magical friends. <laughs> I missed that old intro. I might start saying that or mixing it up because, you know, Jai Ma Yomi's is now a classic as well. But hello, hello, welcome to your own magic. I'm Raquel, and this is a podcast for the creative and the curious soul. And as always, the sponsors you hear today and their special offers will be linked in the show notes along with ways to connect with myself and the Your Own Magic community. Like I said last week, I'm taking a desired mental and spiritual health break. This episode, I'm excited to share. It's so wild to go back and hear your voice from years ago, like 2018 Raquel. I love her. I just want to hug her. She's such an angel. And no matter what, we're always going to evolve beyond that person. And I always feel connected with that version of myself still and so it's nice to hear. It's nice to re-listen to old thoughts (laughs) and old thought processes. And so I'm excited to share this one, walking down memory lane to reignite the OG listeners and even perhaps share something new with the new listeners by sharing an episode that took place in the summer of 2018 when I was staying in the UK. This was an episode that was when Euromagic was eight or nine months old, which is wild. Anyway, it's so nice to reminisce. Timeless, you know, perhaps it resonates with you. There are definitely many pieces that still resonate with me in this. So, and it's nice to feel like, okay, I'm not dwindling in the past, clearly, but I'm reminding my present of soulful wisdom that I felt came through me versus from me, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, I'm sharing I'm sharing the first of a four-part soulful series that I had answered in a vulnerable yet conscious and newly expanded state while I was in the UK. And the description of the episode I wrote was the most vulnerable and exposed episode to date. And in the episode, I answer questions from the Yomis revealing parts of my shadow that I never really exposed until then. And yeah, this is part of a Q&A as questions are answered in great depth and some topics I covered were how to recover from traumatic experiences, recognizing our universal assignment to release reoccurring patterns, relationship with money, seeing and releasing its blocks, embracing your me time and your different personality types, finding reconnection to our soul in a big city, and morning routine and more. And of course, if you'd like to listen to parts two through four, scroll back to July 2018 and find the Soulful Solo series and you'll be able to listen as you wish. And I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Soul Tribe. It's Raquel, and this episode is extra special in my heart as I am answering many of your questions, but before I do, I thought that um, I have something for you to simmer in your mind as I answer these questions, and side note, I guarantee that this may be my most vulnerable and exposed episode yet, but I'm ready as I swallow. (laughs) I am though, I'm ready. And I just want you to know that we, we can't avoid our universal assignments and our 
our shadows that are buried deep and these patterns, so many patterns that we need to release in our, our judgments because they'll just keep getting louder. They'll keep coming up louder, stronger, and harder till we face them. If you were just tuning into this podcast, well, welcome. Right now, I may be just a voice, but I hope through this episode, I may become a little more three-dimensional in your mind. And if you don't know me or what I look like, perhaps your mind has already created an image of me just by the sound of my voice and you're formulating a certain type of person or a blend of many people that you have experienced you know from birth to today and perhaps it gives you some sort of feeling from your own lens your own lens of perception of the kind of being that i am depending on this melting pot of others from your own unique life experience and this is something that happens when we first come in contact with people we notice notice your mind perhaps in a judgmental mode or not already has a thought about this person that we meet which may create a feeling invoke a feeling and it may be a good feeling or it may be bad or or not an emotion to be described but in two seconds, our minds compose thoughts around this person, thoughts that we may have been fed by society, our family, or our individual experiences because that's how our minds make sense of this world. It's a part of this human experience. And these stories are, of course, very different from the thoughts that I have about myself or the thoughts my parents have about me or my friends or my exes or those who are familiar with me, who have been on the tribe for a while, and they have their own stories that they have created about me, not only from the podcast, but, you know, maybe my Instagram, or if they've met me. And these stories that we have about ourselves, the story that you have about yourself, and your mom, and your dad, and your siblings, your your bestie, your ex, or even past podcast guests or maybe your story surrounding Kim Kardashian whether you watch her show or not you might have a story the Queen of England which I'm fascinated by her but or Trump which quite frankly my story around him it might not be the most loving at times which may not come as a surprise but we all have a story around certain people that has been either formulated from our past or society. So when we think of these stories that surround us, that we've created for ourselves, these identities that we've created for ourselves, and the stories that we've created about others, or the stories that we think others have created about us, because we do tend to make up stories like, this person thinks this of me, this person thinks that of me, I feel like that person is judging me, this person has me wrong, like we don't really fully know what is in their mind, but we have these stories of their story. And so out of all these stories, which story is the real story? What is the right story? Hmm. Or perhaps there really is no real story. And all of these stories that we've created and our mind has formulated are simply just that. They're just 
stories. And what stories are untruths that we told ourselves or we bought into that are formed by the media and our friends and family. So just a food for thought to provoke your mind a bit for this very deep, deep, deep episode to keep in your mind as I answer these questions. But first, Yomi Review of the Week. My favorite podcast by Hanwi. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm of her title. Many exclamation points. I am decently new to Yom, but I am obsessed with it. I listened to one and was immediately hooked. Now I start every morning listening to one of their podcasts and they are always talking about important topics that are so relatable. It's so mindful, positive, and truly inspiring. If you are interested in diving deeper into your spirituality, it is absolutely wonderful, and I am so glad I found this podcast. If you are interested in meditation, dealing with anxiety's fears, manifesting positivity, and so much more, then you need to check this out. Thank you, han we. I am very honored that you are obsessed with this podcast and I'm obsessed with notes like that because it really brings so much joy and we are going to dive into all these topics today but going really deep, even deeper. <laughs> and so why don't we just dive in? I feel I felt so called. I, the universe gave me so many signs that today is supposed to be a solo episode and I'm going to call it my soulful solo Q&A episode featuring the questions from you and the answers from my heart and just see what comes through. So let's start off the very first question that was asked by Georgia Carroll and Georgia asks, how would you recommend recovering from a traumatic experience? What are your favorite methods for processing it in a positive way? Also, any tips you have on reconnecting to yourself and being alone? I know you made the step to move to London by yourself, and I am really curious how you are finding it. Do you arrange to meet people? How do you make new friends? Love you, girl, so much, and your words helped me through some dark times this past year. Keep doing what you love and inspire the world. X. P.S. If you ever want to get a cup of coffee in London, I am here for XXS. I need to just meet you all, seriously. Um, but Georgia, thank you so much for this question. And if you are going through a traumatic experience at this time, I hear you and I feel you and I am very sorry for whatever it is. I have been asked before, how do you hear or see or listen to these people or feel them? Because I'm telling you, like, I hear you and I feel you. And people are like, what does that mean? And how do you even love these people that you don't physically know? But it's one of those unmeasurable and indescribable feelings that I am new to. And the only true word that can sum up how I feel for the soul tribe is love. So I'm saying it to everybody because it's really the truth. And when you love someone, you will, one, you just know it. But you also want to protect them from pain. And you want them to heal right away. And you want to be there from for them and 
you wake up and you just want to make sure that they're okay. You don't want them to be in doubt or dwell. But then again, I know it's these experiences of pain, you know, pain from all spectrums, whether one sees them as great or small, that has planted a new seed of a wisdom. Each form of pain has planted a new seed seed of conscious expansion that has led us to reach each other, to each other, to this tribe in Georgia. I just want you to know that I love you and I really do feel so sorry and I encourage you to dedicate a time for yourself and for your soul to dig into these recommendations that I'm about to share and pursue a tool that works for you and that speaks to you. I'm going to preface all of that by one thing that comes to mind and one reminder that when I'm faced with any challenge, great or small, and the phrase, it's part of the human experience. Yes, I know that is so, so trite. It almost makes me want to roll my eyes because it's so trite and it's somewhat overdone and oversaid. So I'm going to maybe rephrase it, uh, to reframe it. And this is, this is a part of the human agreement in our contract destined to happen in some way, shape, or form to connect us humans on a grander scale. And it can suck. I know. And of course, this concept never comes to mind in the heat of the moment. If it, you know, I don't think this is a part of the human experience when I'm in that moment. And it's a very traumatizing event because the human instincts kick in and as they should to get into to go into survival mode so we can get past this but after I've processed the event a bit I remind myself this so I don't suppress it it allows me to not victimize myself for too long to the point that it paralyzes me and I dwell on it for years and years and years so that's the reason why I remind myself of this Uh, So I feel less alone and stronger. I remind myself that this is a part of the human agreement. This is life. This is what happens. In life, we're always playing a deck of cards and mostly pulling the wild ones that may give us the whole pile or they might take it all away. And even if we think we've done everything so well with a great poker face, we may be surprised. We're often surprised. And every move that we make feels like we weren't ready for this. You know, we don't realize it's a gamble as it causes as it causes a ripple effect leading to something else. But it wasn't our fault. And it's just the card that we were dealt in this moment. So we may strengthen our humanness as we get older and we will experience more hardships in life and we can choose to either become completely desensitized to these and suppress all the traumas and hardships that the universe you know only will make us release later because patterns are often presented to us but it will too be traumatic even more traumatic or Or we can sit with the pain 
and acknowledge the pain for a while. And when I step outside of the experience for a moment, reminding myself that this is part of my human agreement, that no matter what, I'm going to continue to experience some pain, that this is bound to happen, whether it was this or in another shape or form. So the traumatic event happened, now what? Now what are we going to do from here to energetically remove this trauma from sitting inside our bodies any longer after we process it? Who are we going to turn to? And what new piece of wisdom, new nugget of wisdom has been gifted to me from this? And these thoughts, these thoughts may only happen when you're ready. But you asked, what are your favorite methods of processing it in a positive way? So well, dearest Georgia, you'd be lying to your soul if you covered this trauma up with rainbows and butterflies, as I'm sure you know. And, you know, I used to do this for a long time, especially when I started this spiritual experience. Till enough was just enough and the universe kept showing me the same events in a different form because I needed to get this energy out of my body. So please always allow yourself to experience the pain and the tears, the grief, and then when you're ready and you simply just can't bear to dwell in this pain any longer, well, it's time to give yourself permission to release it. But first, ask yourself, is this a pattern that has been present in my life? And it's been presented to me many times in my life, just it's taken another shape. I have forgiven myself for not seeing certain patterns before because much of what we hold on to actually happens at the age of seven and earlier. Um, I found this out from Gabrielle Bernstein, who's an amazing spiritual teacher, because we are the most impressionable at that age. And it makes sense. We don't have the tools at that age to cope. If it's just so unbearable, especially at that age, we just dig it a grave and bury it, which ends up becoming a habit for many traumas in life later on. But it still sits inside of us. It might be buried, but it's there. And the universe doesn't want you to sit with this energy. So the only way to really release it is to acknowledge it in, a, in another form. And you need to feel all the feelings and find compassion for yourself in it, and then of course pray and welcome the healing. But how do you know to do this when you're a child? Well, <laughs> you don't, and so we. that's why now it's the time to process it. And one of the energies of traumatic experiences that was sitting inside of me for 23 years that I didn't realize until recently because of the steps I'm about to share with you, well... Um, and I'm not sure if I shared this on the podcast before, because honestly, I'm blacked out 80% of the time and Allie did too. And we'd walk out of her old bedroom being like, what just happened? And so I might have shared this before, but I don't know. Anyways, there's a trauma that I remember, but I didn't allow myself to emotionally experience it because it was so scary. In fact, when People would bring it up in high school or when I would share it, I'd be like, oh, I'm so over it. Like, but it's 
kind of funny now and laugh it off. Like, oh, I just, I'd barely remember. But it was sitting inside of me and it's been sitting inside of me for 23 years. Anyways, there's, there's a trauma that I remember but didn't allow myself to emotionally experience because it was so scary. But when I did the shadow work recently, this came up in my deep imagining. So when I was four, I was kidnapped. And when I was five, I was kidnapped again for a second time. And I could barely cry or shed a tear about it because I was just traumatized. I was scared. I felt paralyzed that this was it. I truly thought that I would never see my parents again, but I couldn't make sense of it. And these these men, they were older men, were going to keep me for life, I thought, or they were going to kill me. <laughs> I truly thought that, you know, I had just learned about death and I truly thought that and I was scared of it because I just learned about it and I thought that I was going to die. I really did. And that is traumatizing for a four and five year old, especially one who just learned about death. And I know my mom, you know, she's listening to this because she listens to every episode, so supportive, but those events also changed her. And I fear fear that they're still simmering in her, but you know, they changed her parenting to be over, over protective and more. And that caused a lot of tension between us, but I forgive her now especially now that I remember this, but well, inside of me, I would get this unsettling feeling and trigger that would arise in me whenever I met a man who was 45 or older, a man who was not my dad or brother or in my family. And then I would also date men who were abusive in some way, not physically, but in other ways. Um, In high school, you know, and they would play me like a fiddle. And when I did allow myself to experience a good man, I didn't feel worthy of it and let it go and let him go. And so I had to face certain situations in life, like the verbal abuse of unworthiness from a middle school teacher to sexual and verbal abuse that led me feeling unworthy, fat, not pretty, yet still Also, only a piece of meat and a pair of boobs by the eye of an older man who I desperately wanted acceptance from um, when I was in a drama school after high school. And it, it just continued to happen again with other men because this was a pattern in my life, which led me to choosing sex partners that also did and saw the same thing. And I was rarely enjoying sex and actually not having sex obviously um and feeling safer in a friendly way with guys that were my age or younger even even just walking past an older man who they would stare and I just had to breathe through this unsettling feeling so this is a trauma in my life that I kept suppressing which kept leading me to other experiences of an unease that I didn't recognize was a part of my life assignment for me to share and let go. Otherwise, it would only get worse. And I wouldn't allow myself to fall in love and be in love and welcome in a man. There are so many blocks why I haven't welcomed in a man. And that's one of the major ones. 
So I've distanced myself from love, finding true love and sex. And where I've admitted this and I'm, I'm finally allowing myself to open up to love again and him and not seeing older men in that light. You know, I actually even have a distant crush now, which is huge for me that I'm willing to open up about because I've had crushes. I would just suppress them to protect myself and my shell. So yeah, I gave you an example of one thing that I'm letting go, a trauma that continues to show up in my life. But I've also let go of so much and it's thanks to spiritual gurus who I have turned to to help me overcome and bring light to the darkness the darkest parts of these shadows that I was able to breathe so first Georgia whatever the traumatic event is see if there was something or a series of unfortunate events that brought up a similar feeling since you were a child and and perhaps this is one of your human contract life assignments, then allow yourself to feel all the feelings, even if you have to scream in an open field just to let the energy out. Just let it out. Let it out to the universe. It's time to scream it out and get it out of your system energetically. Like Let the universe know and hear you. Know that you are aware of this pattern now, and the universe knows They'll know what you're doing and that you're not blaming anyone, just letting the energy out. Please allow yourself to feel compassion for not only the event and not seeing it before, but yourself. Really giving yourself permission to acknowledge that this is only an experience that is not you and that it's okay to be concerned with the suffering of these feelings and the pain that you're going through. And it's okay to want to get out of this pain because you don't deserve it. But if you don't allow yourself to experience it, you may in another way, in another year, in a way that doesn't serve you, even worse. And many end up turning to drinking and binge eating and drugs and mindless TV watching so they can escape it. And I am very familiar with over drinking and drug use and binge eating and not eating to suppress it and numbing myself with TV instead of simply just enjoying the entertainment of TV. So if you don't experience it, you'll experience it in another way. And if you if you need to forgive yourself, even your younger self, for not seeing that this is a pattern earlier, then please do, especially at a young age. We don't know any better. So always welcome a prayer. Always. And I know for me, for so long, the idea of prayer was, you know, just such a turnoff because I identified it with praying to a man in the sky who will deem me and my prayer right or wrong or good or bad, a naughty or nice person. (laughs) But no, it's a simple prayer. It's just a sincere, deeply sincere request for the universe, God, source, guidance, your higher self, or whatever the divineness that resonates with you, praying to that deity to help release you from the energy inside of you, and to release you from these patterns, and to release you from the pain of the trauma, and thank them that this situation helped you acknowledge something unhealed inside of you, One of my favorite quotes from A Course in Miracles teacher, Kenneth Wapnick, uh, he said, 
we should be grateful for all situations that make us the most uncomfortable because without them, we would not know there is something unhealed in us. Now that brings me to my next thing, which is gratitude and finding gratitude about this traumatic event, which I understand is really hard to grasp right now, especially if you haven't processed it and released it out of your system. But if you feel so distant from it right now, this is, this is just, just allow me to plant the seed. So now, of course, if it's a death of a person or something that is not really anything people could find something to be grateful for without the frosting or faking it, um, then don't. But, and I know I preach gratitude, but only if you can really feel gratitude and feel the gratitude about it. Like, there are traumatic events in my life that I'm not grateful for that event. For example, when I lost my best friends. I lost one of my best friends, Erica, to texting and driving. And another best friend of mine um, to heroin. And of course, I couldn't and still can't find gratitude about that tragedy, that tragedy of their deaths. But what I did truly find gratitude in is that I did introduce, it did introduce me to my demons, which led me to want to release those demons and find a spiritual path. And not everyone finds a spiritual path. In fact, most actually reject it. And that's rough in life. You don't have the tools to allow yourself to allow yourself out of these traumatic events. And it also brought me into spiritual rooms and led me to spiritual places where I could connect with deep people who will help me with my healing. And it brought me and the town closer together and saved the lives of others who are in my life, um, stopping them from abusing drugs, those people that were slowly fading and I loved so much. And now they're alive and well. And, you know, it was a wake-up call actually to me too when it came to drugs. So I, I am I grateful for their loss? No, absolutely not. But I am grateful for the connection with people that will help me through this healing and has helped me through the healing. And in time, a story, my own story of healing through these events. And I'm also grateful for having a story that I can stand by and help others work through and a a story that empowers me along with the kidnappings and more when it comes to my home family life. So my friend... When you're ready, the next step is to stand in the power and own your story. Own it. It will be time to allow yourself to wear a bulletproof vest of the story that becomes magnetic. Whether people can relate to you or not, it does. When you own your story, it's magnetic. So own your bloody story. Those women who stand in their power after hiding their sexual trauma they experienced for years in the Me Too movement... Now, all of us who have been sexually abused or abused by men in some way feel less alone about it. You know, so many years hiding in fear or not being able to fully comprehend what happened, you know, what or what people will think or what will happen. That's liberating now in a society and in our souls because someone owned their story. 
So me, when I shared with you all about my body dysmorphia and eating disorders and drug abuse, I owned it. And that's how many of you connected with me. And so own this trauma because not only will it liberate you, but it will liberate and heal others, really help heal others. And that in itself makes it all worth it, no matter how shitty it is. And then watch the healing process unfold. And it may take weeks and months or years. And there may be a few new tests and challenges along the way. And I have faced some. But this story, this assignment gifted to you by the universe, this traumatic event that sucks right now, this trauma will present itself, transform itself into new opportunities. And it may heal conflict within yourself. So welcome it. And also, I would recommend checking out the work of Byron Katie and doing her work. This is the work that helped her release her deep, severe, severe, severe depression where she just didn't even get out of bed for weeks. And so read Loving What Is so you can learn to step outside of these thoughts that are not you and identify the thoughts that are causing all your suffering. And one of the most profound and tried and true spiritual tools that will actually help you transform your entire being so you can heal from the traumas and dramas that may reintroduce yourself to yourself. I love a natural look with some shimmer. I love that lightly soft contour, but add, of course, some shimmer and some blush, some highlighter, a whisk of eyeliner on the outer edges, and, of course, a strong lengthening mascara that does not clump or flake. That's basically the look I usually go for. So whether you like a more natural look or full glam or somewhere in between, you'd love Thrive Cosmetics because you're not only getting quality cosmetics, but you're also contributing to a good cause. And you also might already know of them as they have a pretty viral, vibrant turquoise tube on social media for their mascara and it is a game changer. It is. I'm so happy that Thrive Cosmetics is not just stunning, but also 100% vegan and cruelty-free and it's packed with clean, skin-loving ingredients. Their high-performance formulas set the bar high with uncompromising standards, so no wonder their bestsellers boast thousands of glowing five-star reviews. And what also makes them even more special is that every purchase with Thrive Cosmetics contributes to making communities thrive, hence the name. I mean, it's also spelled C-A-U-S-E medics, Thrive Cosmetics. So it's not just about beauty. I mean, they're truly about giving back. So with your support, they donate products and funds to support communities in need through responsive giving. That's why they've been my beauty obsession since 2020. I've been using their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara since 2020. I mean, this is a magical mascara that lasts all day without a hint of clumping or smudging or flaking. And removal is a breeze as all I need is warm water and a washcloth. Pretty simple. And also here's the best part. The nourishing ingredients in this flake free tubing formula not only gives you the length and definition that you crave, but also it supports longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's a love story for your lashes. So Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M- E 
T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 20% off your first order. Oh man, this is going to be a long podcast because I feel like I'm going to get pretty deep. Anyways, next question, um, Leah Clooney Ganey. So now that you've moved to a busy city, what are your favorite ways to reconnect and ground yourself from the confines of the concrete jungle? Asking as a fellow city dweller. Ah, this is such a great question, Leah. Well, living here has taught me one thing that I am indeed not a city girl. (laughs) And I continue every single day to find as much time as I possibly can to soak up and soak in nature, whether I take the tube to a UK greenery or stroll through the parks, which are just so lovely. And I, I must turn my face towards the sun and just breathe deeply. But I learned that I need to live in trees. (laughs) I really am a forest child. Even in Hawaii, Allie and I joke how she was such a water child because she would spend most of her days by the ocean and I would spend the majority of every day frolicking in the forest of an island. And now I'm in a concrete jungle, like you said, and I do love London for many reasons, mostly because of the people, but I also understand you know, your soul's desperate plea to stay connected with, well, you and ground yourself in a noisy city. But the beauty of city life is the opportunity to be surrounded with a melting pot of different people. It's just, it's more challenging to find opportunity to surround yourself with only yourself. I understand. Though I am by myself most of the time, out of choice, this is probably one of the most common questions I get asked by people um, that I may hang out with from time to time here or new people I meet here. And also come to think of it, aside from the obvious meditation and journaling, which is a daily must for you to stay grounded and connect with yourself, obviously, I do find feel myself getting pulled towards the city and the noise as it gets louder around me. And so I, again, like I said, I must find a forest. I must find trees and, you know, I'll stay there for hours or sometimes pretty much the whole day. And so if you're an ocean baby, maybe that means taking the tube down to Brighton and sit by her ocean. Or if you're a forest baby, find your favorite green spot in town and do nothing. I don't know if you ever heard uh, the Trevor Hall episode where he goes to India to learn something. And the one thing he learned, the greatest thing he learned from India, that huge trek over to India, a guru told him two words that saved him. Do nothing. And I feel like when I do this, it's an automatic recharge for my soul to find her way to ground and reconnect. But I do this doing nothing uh most when i'm just in nature seriously just sitting there and observing what's in front of me and doing absolutely nothing but sitting or perhaps i will bring a journal with me in case some words start to spark maybe you sketch and so you know maybe a drawing sparks and though that's doing something you begin to do that something and receive the download when you do nothing because that's you reconnecting with yourself 
So after you created something from your own being that was downloaded through you, I promise you will get that hit of being reconnected and grounded within you. Or maybe you'll just feel good again. Maybe you won't write any words or draw anything, but you'll just be reconnected to feeling good and that's what matters. Also, some people may not really need to be surrounded by trees or an ocean. There really are people that are city dwellers and maybe you are because you said fellow city dweller, but one of my closest friends from LA, Bryce, he is a city guy. He loves being in New York and he his dream was actually to go to Auckland to be in a big city and he did for a bit and he loves the hype of LA and that I knew him when he was living in LA so he is such a city guy a true city dweller and embraces it and he loves the buildings he thinks that buildings are the most magical things on earth especially tall ones so for those of you listening if that's you own it that's amazing most of those people are also just big people people super extroverted and they find the most joy and energy being surrounded by other beings but also i think bryce is actually introverted so just whatever your interest is embrace it i believe that enjoying the city and the matrix and the light of the matrix is a gift so maybe because it's hard for me to grasp so maybe your way is to just sit above a city and enjoy the view of the city or sit in a park and observe the people around you and just embrace the city life in front of you for a moment while you do nothing. But if you're struggling in a big city because of the noise and that it's so stressful for you and you find yourself losing your train of thought and that your mind is extra noisy because you're around a bunch of noise, notice that this might not be for you and you should do what best serves you. You know, make the most of being in the city in the meantime like I am, but give yourself permission to get out of town and take a trip to a place that piques your interest. It may be a place you're feeling called to and then just go there or maybe you'll move there. But I also do not suggest for anyone to move anywhere before they try it out. You may just be called somewhere because there's something about your energy or the universe is guiding you for some experience momentarily. But once you feel stuck, it can be so hard to get out. So me, this city life is not for me. And I'll be working my way to the greens of Scotland soon and other parts of the world. And I do intend on living in Hawaii when I'm ready and settled with a family. Um, But I do have to move to LA at the end of the year. So I'm just finding a forest to be around, like Topanga Canyon. If that's possible for you at your fingertips, do that. Um, And I spend most, and I'll also spend a lot of the year in my hometown, Park City, which is surrounded by mountains. Google Park City, Utah, by the way. That's where I grew up. That place is beautiful. It's America's winter wonderland. Um, But when it's not snowing, it's just a perfect place for a forest baby. As, ugh, it's gorgeous. You'll see. It looks like a fairy tale. Anyways, I I believe Georgia had another similar question. So, Georgia, I hope that answers the second part of your cue, which I did not mean to dismiss. (laughs) I just got so into your first question. Um, I probably spent like half an hour answering it. So, I'll recircle back a minute 
Um, and the cup of coffee, I do want the Londoners to email me preferred spots, maybe a good plant-based spot where we can meet up. Uh, that would be amazing. All right, so Sandra Van Blit. How are you doing, Raquel? I love this question. It's simple. I, I'm going in order, by the way, um, right now. So Sandra, I love you. Uh, she says, how are you doing, Raquel? Love you from the tips of my toes all the way to my crown. Heart. Ah, Sandra, I love you from the tips of my toes all the way up and out through my crown, beaming to the moon in this moment. I'm just, I'm feeling in flow right now. That's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling very connected. So thank you. And I'm feeling more free and ready to go live and just be. Oh, and also I remember seeing another question. Let's see. Lauren Deerdorf asked, how's your heart doing? And I thought it was so cute. So thank you for asking. That's what KB asks me daily. And it's just the cutest way of checking in yet staying away from normal social script. And when she does this, KB, oh, KB's Christina, by the way. She's been on this show before, one of the very first episodes, Fully Raw Christina. I know a lot of people's favorite episodes, so that's amazing. But she asks me this almost daily, and it's just the best little ping. Like, when I receive this, I give myself a moment to actually check in and feel her, as in feel my heart. So I encourage you to ask your friends and family this frequently too. How's your heart? And perhaps they will actually ask you. And when they do, check in. Maybe ask yourself this daily too. And just to check in how your heart's doing. That's actually one of the first things I ask myself in my morning. Um, how's my heart? <clears throat> Paula Vanessa. How is it possible to treat and be and handle people when I am on a journey into myself. Sometimes I feel very selfish when I need time for myself, especially my boyfriend doesn't understand the me time things. Oh, Paula, dear Paula, this question that I used to contemplate this question so much and I used to blame others years ago for causing friction and animosity or even anger that was sitting inside of me and I would allow that anger to pent up and lash out at them because like I said before I'm someone who needs a good amount of alone time but I didn't acknowledge this years ago before I was on this journey and so that's the thing this may be hard to hear but when I realize that it's not them and that it's me and that there's nothing wrong with those people wanting my company. In fact, I should be flattered, but it's me that just needs alone time to breathe. And I just need to honor, to find another way to honor my me time and let them know. But especially if you happen to be an introvert, um, but it seems like you did let them know and that's where it gets hard because if this is not a part of someone's personality then it's really hard for them to understand or take it personally, especially if they're not familiar with people that just need that me time. Uh, but he does need to be reminded of this, that it's it's not him at all, that it's just for you to be your best self. And it has nothing to do with anyone. You just need a good amount of your own time to yourself daily or for periods of a week to be in your own space Sometimes the noise from others is blocking or blinding you from a creative spark or a guidance that you need to follow. And 
And if we're distracted, that guidance only gets louder internally without revealing itself. And this causes a lot of disharmony inside. So instinctively, we know that we need to be alone to hear it. But when we say we need me time, people people take it as, as if they need a breather from them or perhaps or we need a breather from them, or perhaps we end up making excuses that are just clearly lies rolling off the tips of our tongues because it's hard to express ourselves that we just need some me time. So if I were in your physical shoes and I wanted time alone, but I also didn't want to fight with my boyfriend or hurt his feelings, I would communicate with him, sit with him, sit him down and really communicate with him why time alone is really beneficial for the both of you. And it's not personal toward him, but you need this with everyone so you can be your best self with with everyone because that is your personality type. You know, I would let him know. I would let him know that I want to be the best girlfriend I can possibly be and because I care about this relationship so much and I want us to have a healthy relationship, I really need this time for myself, for the harmony of us. But because he is your partner, please be considerate of his feelings and um, if you can find a compromising ground, that would be so beneficial for the both of you. Like, for example, one of my best friends, well, she had to eventually learn that I was an introvert who needs space, and that was hard for her to really understand until she fell in love with somebody with a similar personality type, because there's two of us that expanded her mind that this is really a thing, the me time thing, and she found, so she found a middle ground that worked for her, and if we just give her a little bit of attention here and there... Um, Like, you know, if he needs his alone time, he will just text her a simple I love you text and that's all she needs. And she says I love you back and nothing further. And, you know, there's just common ground. So now, Paula, for the rest of your relationships, for the remainder of time, whether they happen to be romantic or not, this should be something you're upfront about in the beginning because then they're likely to accept it right off the bat. (laughs) And they won't take it personally. In fact, they will hopefully Im- and eventually embrace and fully honor that po- honor that part of you. It just depends on your delivery of it, of course. Um, I remember I had to tell Allie in the beginning of our relationship, uh, warn her that I can be like this. And she always honored that and never took it personally. And when I'd come out and breathe, she would be like, hey, how was your me time? And, you know, she even embraced it in herself, too, and she had her own me time. So, you know, you'll find the people that just understand and honor it. And hopefully he'll eventually know the importance of it for your relationship, for the sanity of your relationship. But I'm not here to intervene in your relationship because he may surprise you and finally understand. And if not, it will be okay to find someone that will. So next time you meditate, just set an intention for clarity on how to approach this with him and his unique personality for the betterment of your relationship. All right, Carolina, Carolina, great idea. My question would be favorite spots in London. Oh, okay, the others have been so serious. So this one will be a little lighter, which I like. Let's, uh, just to balance it out. So my favorite spots in London so far, well, for restaurants, I like Redemption and Pharmacy and 
Deliciously Ella and Wild Food Cafe. They're all delicious plant-based places. Um, and, ooh, as far as places, well, I had an interesting experience the other day where I felt like, actually this was yesterday, where I felt like telling my guides or my angels that I wanted to change up the signs a bit and get specific. So, you know what? I'm going to challenge you guys. Show me some angel wings for a sign. And usually I get in a flow and so I set up my apartment to embrace a creative writing atmosphere. But Saturday I was feeling a bit restless and I just needed to go outside. Though I usually can just like stay there for a long time like a homebody. But I needed to go outside. I couldn't write. I couldn't, I felt like my brain was foggy. So I wanted to change up the atmosphere of where I was going to write. So I thought maybe I'll go somewhere like a library to write. And so I googled. And usually many coffee shops like Thai 7 Dials, which I enjoy, or a Pret or some Pret close by pops up. But Saturday, the Victoria and Albert Museum popped up in my Google screen, which was interesting. I hadn't seen that before. I didn't know I could possibly work there, but apparently there's an area where you can write. So it's a walk away, a long walk, but I could walk there. So I did, and thinking I was going to go into an area that looked like a library to work, like their Google image. But when I got there, of course, I felt this pull to walk around the European sculptures and triptychs and paintings, of course, around me. I didn't expect that, so that obviously needs to be seen and experienced by my eyeballs. And I like to roam around the museums with the thought that I am receiving, you know, some of the energy, though it may be very tainted from all the other people from that year or years, hundreds of years that have seen it, but it holds some power from its creator. So just being in that presence, like feels so good. And I was like, ah, yes, I get it. I'm supposed to be here right now to, you know, soak in their creativity. And then I got distracted and saw a Buddhist area for art. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, I need to check that out. But for whatever reason, um, I felt like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna finish up Italy even though everything looks the same around me now. <laughs> but I did. And I got to the end of the hall where I read the only thing that I really felt like reading because I was in the mood to work. And it's, it was also just so hot. But I might as well learn something. So then I started reading about this Florence sanctuary. And then suddenly I felt this cold chill by my arm in this hot area. So random. But I know what those chills are. I've experienced them many times. And so that was a sign for me to pay attention. And then I remembered the random ask for angel wings that day. And I looked up at the sanctuary. And it's full of angels and their beautiful wings. Oh my gosh. So of course I sit on the bench in front of it for about 45 minutes to an hour doing nothing, the power of doing nothing, just staring at it with no agenda and feeling connected again and listening to that guidance. So no longer restless and it made me re realize I don't need to be writing right now. I need to just be and enjoy. That was a moment that taught me a lot and that just happened yesterday that I don't need to be writing that I really just needed to get out and just be and I keep getting signs from the universe that I need to get out <laughs> more so but I have seen other places like Natural History Museum and 
Uh, I really, I find myself often in Watkins Books, which happens to be in Diagon Alley from Harry Potter, and I didn't know that till many times going there. So many of my crystals just happen to be from Diagon Alley, and I didn't even know it. Pretty magical. Also, I love Holland Park and Battersea Park and Wimbledon Commons and Richmond's Park and Richmond. So there are the areas that I like in London that I've seen so far. All right, Becca Cram. How do you conceptualize your relationship with the energy that is money or tangible currency? It is a very personal question, but I feel like it's especially pertinent to hear different perspectives in our current global socioeconomic crisis. Love you so much and appreciate you endlessly. Dear Becca, I love you and appreciate you and this question endlessly too. It wasn't too long ago where I had a very severe case of scarcity toward money. And if I had it, I, I had to make sure that I rarely spent money. Whenever I did that, I swear the universe knew that I was hoarding it and would create something where I had to spend it on something I would not want to spend it on. For example, getting locked out of a house or and having to spend it on a locksmith or a random parking ticket whenever I hoard money. And I got another test of that recently too. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so the universe clearly wants me to spend my money on experiences because when I do, I become more abundant. And money really is just energy. And I know that some people could roll their eyes when they hear that because it's a hard idea to grasp. But if you haven't yet already, I highly recommend you listen to the episode with Lacey Phillips. Um, She not only talks about this, but also manifesting and bringing more money into your life. But it's true what happens when you reframe your mind around money and learn your story about it. That's what allows you to open up and be less scarce and more abundant. Seeing money as what our society has agreed its value on this planet to be rather than just energy or something to not stress out about and that scarcity mindset that is going to keep you in a scarcity mode and your bank account very scarce. If that concept is not a language that speaks to you, which it didn't to me for years, I feel you and that's fine. But if you find yourself struggling financially and resisting it, then it's important to go back, like we said before, about going back to where it stems from. You know, like we talked about when it comes to traumatic events, go back and find where your relationship with money began. I know, well, I'm about to share a very personal story, but you know, it's for the betterment of you guys. So, and it has a lot to do with my folks and I don't blame them for it, but my scarcity mindset with money stems from observing my folks and their mindset, especially my dad. So I grew up where I was very well to do while my family was rich. And then one day, broke. (laughs) My dad is an attorney and was making bucket loads of the money because he was a main corporate attorney for a big business. And I spent these years traveling all around the world, you know, pretty spoiled, living in a nice home, a huge home in Park City, Utah. And then one day when I was in high school, um, my dad was 
indicted for tax fraud. And there I was trying to live in the Park City standards of moolah, that peer pressure that was so abundant there. But the government took nearly everything and we were broke. So luckily my dad was not only innocent, but found innocent. And so he didn't have to go to jail. Uh, thank gosh, because I was worried about that for years. But the dude who was my dad's boss was actually stealing clients' money. But of course, my dad was dragged down with him and the case lasted for years. And it was also just rather embarrassing as it was in newspapers and I live in a very small town. So keep in mind the looks that people gave me in high school when they thought my dad was a criminal was not my most favorable memory. But when I had almost everything and could afford so much to then almost nothing, and that lasting for years and still affects my dad to this day, that changed everything. And one day feeling so abundant, money is just not a thing, till money became a means of survival, that changed everything. So I really have been and still doing the work to let all that energy go, that traumatic event go, and finding my expanders to know that I can make all the money I need and not have to worry about it getting taken away from me again because that is actually a fear I realize in a meditation space. Like, I'm afraid if I make money, it will leave. But that's not true. And I will need to let go go of this underlying fear that I could, that it could all be taken away. And that just comes with work and working on ourselves. And there's always just so much to do, so much for our souls to do. So I know many of you are young, so nip all of this in the bud now before these relationships with money and traumatic events and other people and even yourself continue to show up in other ways that are harder to deal with in life. But they will show up to show you the wounds that are not healed. And they will be triggered. But I am so grateful that I finally can say in confidence that I am in flow financially because the universe recognizes my efforts and I don't, you know, check my bank account daily in fear. When I do check, it's simply just information. And also, whatever's in your bank account, you know, that does not need to spark a feeling of personal worth whether it's high or low and so now I know the signs when I'm not aligned or in harmony with this balanced state of mind in relationship with money because money really is just energy and I remember somebody else asked about money blocks let's see yeah Michaela Corrigan good ways to move past money blocks much love uh, Michaela, yes. So, like I said, go back to find out where it stems from. Perhaps listen to Lacey Phillips' episode on this or try her opulence program or find a hypnosis that works for you that brings you into that trance state where thoughts stored in your subconscious mind are brought to surface and you know what you can work on. Also, find those expanders who came from a financial background similar to your own and now have a financially successful story. And one of the biggest things I've learned, which is so true, is to surround yourself with abundant people. 
that are abundant with, within themselves and feel, make you feel abundant so you raise your vibration to that worth. And the guilt of wanting money is indeed a money block itself. So we just aren't aware of it completely because it's buried deep. And it never hurts to read financial books like Money by Tony Robbins or one of my favorites, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which is an old school one. And maybe also just surround yourself in spaces that bring finances to light, like like financial classes. But keep in mind when I say surround yourself with successful people, I don't mean let go of your supposed not so successful friends. Like one philosophy that I don't agree with that a lot of people really do surprisingly preach is to stop hanging out with people that are not successful or on your level of where you want to go because trust me some of your old friends that might not be successful right now are still your gold friends and they may have a spiritual connection with you and you owe your soul and your karma a favor to be friends with all walks of life no matter where they come from or what's in their bank account. So anyone that tells you to stop hanging out with non-successful people, then those people are probably the toxic ones to walk away from. But now toxic people that suck the energy out of you, whether they're financially successful or not, and I'm not talking about if they suck the emotional energy out of you and make you feel down, yeah, maybe walk away from them, but keep your friends who make you happy around. And there's should always be space in your heart for new friends that may expand you. All right, Jessica, Jessica Prater asks, on the recent podcast episodes, you've been asking about their morning routines. So I must ask, what does your morning routine look like? Sending you peace and love while you're on your journey. Heart, ah, uh, dear Jessica. I am obsessed <laughs> and fascinated with others' morning routines. And I find my own very, very sacred. And in fact, I've been indulgent in my morning routines for four or five years now. So since I began this spiritual journey, actually, I've become hardcore about my morning routine and I really do credit it to helping me not only understanding this life experience more and being compassionate towards the human experience more, but also understanding myself and being more compassionate toward myself and my hardships. So my mornings, I do always hydrate and meditate with lemon water and I'll drink a crazy amount of water so I can compensate for my dehydration for coffee. Except for when I feel like my body's had too much coffee, I do allow myself to have hot tea. And that's rare though. I usually go for the coffee, but we have to listen to our bodies. So I also meditate and pray and then I go to my journal to tap into what I learned from Julia Cameron in her book, Artist's Way, which we've talked about on this podcast before many times, but just writing with a pen in my hand, using my own hand to write out the thoughts of my mind for at least two pages, sometimes more, whatever is on my mind without stopping. And it usually starts off somewhat superficial, like, all right, so I believe... I will have this for breakfast and uh, maybe this for lunch and I intend on doing blah, blah, blah. And this happened yesterday and it kind of upset me. And so 
I want to figure it out by yada yada. But then, but then it will transcend and go a little deeper. And sometimes wild ideas will appear and that I couldn't have dreamed up or thought up or answers that are weighing on my shoulders that have been weighing in my heart. They are finally answered. And before I do that, by the way, I, <laughs> because I'm a little superstitious and I feel like I'll really only tap in if I do my ritual, which is, you guys, not true. You can just dive straight into your journaling and that's more than enough. But because it really does light up my spirits, I like to light something, whether it's a candle or incense and maybe sage my space, um, and turn on my fairy lights around me and place crystals on my journal, especially just the crystal that is speaking to me most at that moment, and then begin to journal. And also lately on some days, I've been even right after my journaling, I'll pull out a tarot deck just to read what is going on. Not so much to send me a message or find out my future, but just honestly, it just sets a tone like I'm being connected to a divine source in some way and it feels good and then I begin my walk or my walk jog and which is usually happens around a park and then I will come back to do about 10 minutes of deep stretching or a good old yoga session or on some days I do go to the gym as long as I'm moving my body that is what matters most by far and I really do enjoy working out with a friend way more it works me harder so I've been working out with this girl here a couple times which is so much more fun and it motivates me to go there but what I really feel called to because I love my yoga practice at home that's my favorite form of movement I used to do yoga for 90 minutes a day or more though that sounds excessive um, I truly enjoyed it more than anything. And so, yeah, there's something so profound and powerful about connecting with other yogis in the room and having a yoga teacher actually see you and guide you. So, yeah. So then after my movement, I will have breakfast, usually a smoothie these days. And I found out, by the way, I'm moderately sensitive to peas. And my smoothies usually contain pea protein powder. Back to my morning routine, Jessica. <laughs> Just had to add that in there. You get it. So after I eat my breakfast, which is no longer going to be pea protein all the time, um, I write, I write, I write, I write. But I also need to write before I react to all the emails that come my way because I notice that if I answer emails first, my mind, for whatever reason, I am not as focused in my writing and it's just interesting. Emails take me out of that zone. It's true. So I know it can be so tempting to open all the emails and I do cave on days, but what I really intend to do every day is to write because that's where my heart lies. So whatever it is for you, whether it be writing or drawing or you know, some people's intelligence lies in body movement, so more yoga, like whatever it is, do that before before diving into the chaos of your day. Anyways, next question. Catherine Parley, what are some strategies you do to keep 
consistency with your spiritual practice. I struggle with black or white thinking and sometimes I feel like I'll have a phase where I'm 100% in tune with my spirituality and I'll see divine signs everywhere, but then it kind of fades away after a while when life gets busy and a part of me is missing. Ah, dear Catherine, I love this question and I promise (laughs) that The divine is never not guiding you and never not with you, even if the signs aren't so clear. So just make them show you what's clear. Your guides, your divine guidance team, you know, tell them. Like like I said in my previous question that I wanted them to show me angel wings, and they did. I made it very specific. Um, I got this idea actually after hearing a spiritual medium talk about how she made something super random up like armadillos. And that day she was in a food line and the men behind her were talking about armadillos. (laughs) So maybe it's, you know, time to get specific, not have them show you a sign, but ask them for a specific sign, just simply to show you that you're connected and that they're there because that feels good. Because I promise that you are. But the lack of sign is a sign of something. And now, I believe that you intuitively know because the way that you frame this question, you said, but then it kind of fades away after a while when life gets busy and a part of me is missing. So when you get pulled in the noise, in the matrix, and you feel lost in the sauce of the chaos of work and school and family and friends, it is so easy to feel not connected to your own self. So in this question, you already actually answered your question in a sense, and perhaps not hearing back from them, not seeing signs is a sign that you are on an unpaved path and it's time to make your way back on the path that feels best for you and for your soul and her purpose. So really, you may be asking, How do I get back on this path of spirituality when it seems like life and the business of life is getting in the way, so I feel like I'm losing a part of myself, which is that sliver, that sliver of my soul that simply just wants to be nourished? Well, Catherine, have you been giving yourself permission to take time for yourself, like we discussed before, that take that time that is not only deserved, but desperately needed time that desperately needed Catherine time because that time is what is going to change this for you in every way. You know, go to the ocean or that forest or stare at the city for a bit with no agenda but to do nothing. And in that time of doing nothing, it may take minutes or hours or a few days of consistency of doing it, but sometime in that time of doing nothing, something will download and something will pour through you from the crown of your head like a waterfall, a message that you may need to know or a poem or drawing or song or story idea or sculpture idea, just a new pursuit will be delivered through you and connect you again. And perhaps, just perhaps, your guides will show you the sign at that time. And that sign is your sign just between you and them. And that reminds you that you are present and you are on the right path. 
and oh my god no joke my laptop battery is at 44 percent and it's 18.44, so 5.44 p.m. on July 8th. So 44 and 8 are all my numerical signs, my guides and I agreed upon that whatever is happening in this moment, what is being said, just to pay attention because something is aligned and right. Find those signs that you and your guides will agree upon and perhaps select something random just for kicks, like an armadillo or a crocodile. So I believe that this will definitely be part one of two so I can answer more of these questions that I have saved this week and excited to answer. But I, it doesn't take me two minutes to answer a question. Clearly, it takes me half an hour. So expect part two Thursday. Uh, there were just so many brilliant questions and more that I want to have, you know, all the energy for to go deep with. But you know what? I will answer one last question that's a little lighter um, by Lena Hackhofer. I like that name. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And she says, this is not a profound question, but I'm interested in what you use for your period. (laughs) That is a profound question. It's our vaginas are very fragile. Excuse me. (laughs) I hope you don't have kids in the room, but... um, but RVs are very fragile. So, Lena, I hope that you heard the sponsor ad of Lola for your period. But like I said, I have an IUD, so I don't have a period. But this is something that I actually do want to talk about and bring an expert on in this field. Um, If this is healthy for me, especially as I'm experiencing hormonal changes in my body. And I've had this for four years now. And I want, and it was fine for a long time. But I want to be my healthiest self. So I do only eat healthy foods for my body and I apply only natural products for my skin. If I were to not have an IUD, I would only use an organic feminine product for the V. Whether you, I didn't mean to rhyme by the way. (laughs) So please, whether you use the Lola products that are offered on this episode, you know, using the promo code magic for 40% off, just another plug, or you use some sort of other organic tampon, just make sure that you don't use any toxic tampon up there or panty liner or pad or whatever you prefer. And if you do try Lola, by the way, I'm serious when I say use those bamboo wipes for your V, for your flower. They're so refreshing and cleansing, those bamboo wipes. Oh, and our lady down there does deserve a good cleanse. Okay. All right. So y'all, I love you. And thank you so much for all these very thought provoking questions that made me for whatever reason, feeling, feeling like opening up and no, thank you for giving me also a safe space to open up to you because I trust the universe that those who are listening are really those who will connect and understand and that's all I care about Um, and so thank you and if you want more please don't hesitate to tune in Thursday I will be addressing many other questions such as the juxtaposition of physical beauty and spirituality and comparison with social media and body dysmorphia and eating disorders and healing relationships and so much more. So Thursday is going to also be very big, 
very vulnerable, things that you have not heard before that I've never exposed, but I'm feeling more open to expose more. And it's because you guys have been nothing but supportive. And I know it also makes you feel less alone and heard and seen. And that's all that matters to me because I love you, because I love you. Thank you so much and please have a magical day. Mwah. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls on the Euro Magic Facebook group especially a place to turn to when it comes to, well, whatever you're going through. And there are several tools on the euromagic.life membership site. All right, well, thank you so, so much and have a magical rest of your day.